Kim here, and welcome to The Gathering, bringing God into everyday life. Let me encourage you to not just listen, but partner with God and practice what He speaks to you. You can access more information about me, my newspaper articles, upcoming events, contact me, or purchase my book, Thriving Through Seasons of Grief, on my website at www.kathleenmaxwellwamby.com. This podcast is now in 28 countries, and people have donated so that you can listen free. Will you consider paying it forward for someone else by giving a one-time or monthly gift? Simply click the button that says Become a Patron or Patronage at the top of the podcast. And don't forget to click the like or follow, and you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today for Understanding your value and worth. And so this is a um, kind of a continuation of last week's lessons. Most lessons at the gathering stand alone, but this one is um, kind of a follow-up of that. And, you know, last week we talked about getting our identity, uh, waking up to who we are. And you know, part of that that we talked about in scripture, I cited a number of scriptures in Isaiah that said, this is what the Lord says. And there's so many things that we can, we can, you know, we've got news, we've got so much social media, we've got all the things. And if we're not careful, I think we need to step back and say, Lord, but what do you say? What are you saying to me? What are you saying to me for my life, for my family? And, um, and identity. Many times we've had things happen to us and those negative things have affected us in our, in our lives. Um, or we get our identity from the wrong things. Um, maybe your parents were in jail. Maybe your parents um, were not present for you and you didn't get some of the love and affirmation that you needed to grow up. Many times people can get their value and worth in their accomplishment or then something bad happens and their failures and they take on that negative identity abuse i've seen that people take that on in their lives and mistakes we made i think the important thing is that we always look to the word of god and god what do you say about me and all um You know, I saw something this morning on social media, and it was something, or or read it a while back, actually, but I was looking for something particular in my pictures because I snapshotted it. And it said, it was talking, it was written by a woman, she started to see herself the way God sees her, and that is when everything began to change. I'm going to say that again. You might want to write that down in your notes. She started, or he, started to see herself the way God sees her, or him. And that's when everything began to change. And when I saw that, I was just like in awestruck because that is really a good part of my story when i began to understand and see my identity from god's perspective everything in my life began to change for me didn't mean everything was perfect it didn't mean that there wasn't adversity or things i had to overcome but it began to change me from the inside when i got my value and worth from what god said in that. So before we jump into this lesson any further, I just want to, I just want to open with a prayer. So Father, thank you so much that Lord, your word is truth and it's life and you've come so we can have life and life to the full. And so I ask that you open the ears of each listener, open our eyes to see ourselves from your perspective God, that each person, Lord, as we dive into your word, that we would be rooted and grounded in the truth of how you see us. Lord, so that we don't only change, but that we can help change the world around us. And I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Um, I want to reference Psalm 8, verse 3. And if you have your Bibles and want to turn to it, you can turn to it. It says, When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, God created it all. Verse 4 says, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? In human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. And what hit me when I read that scripture one day years ago was how God had given me the Lord just spoke to my heart and he said, Kathleen, I've given you a crown. You don't wear it. And I was like, oh, Lord, I don't. And, you know, anytime we see where we've erred in scripture, we don't have to beat ourselves up. We can just repent. And that's what I did that day. I just said, Lord, please forgive me and teach me what that means to me, how I can wear my crown. What are you saying to me? And so number one in your notes to fill in the blank. God calls me a man or woman of honor. It told us that right there in scripture. He has crowned me with glory. Glory is the next word to fill in. And honor. You know, glory means rich or weighty. It means valuable when you look at it. And I took this word, looked it up in the Strong's Concordance in the Bible, and that's what it tells us, that he has given us a crown of glory and honor. And he's crowned us as his children. He's given us a crown. And it's amazing. Last week I referenced the story of how when the Lord showed me this, I literally would pretend I had a crown on my head, and I forgot my crown today but uh, that I used in last week's lesson. But when you wear a crown and it sits on your head, you hold your head higher. You walk with the dignity. Because if you look down, then it falls off. It falls off. And I remember there was a, a woman when I first started teaching this lesson, it was at the Christian Women's Job Corps, and I had a woman that had been through some abuse. Uh, she had some special needs. And it was amazing, and she was struggling with some depression. And I remember she came in, she would always come into my office and could, couldn't look me in the eye. And as this lesson, as she began to practice this lesson, as it began to sink deep into her the core of who she was it was amazing because she began to lift and hold her head higher and so there's something about that in wearing our crown and realizing what the scripture says about that I remember one one um, day I was walking into a business meeting and I knew that there was going to be some um, controversy there and I was just praying about it and and wasn't looking forward to it, to be quite honest. And the Lord just spoke and he said, Kathleen, wear your crown. And I'm telling you, when I walked into that meeting, and I did, I just thought, okay, here you are, God, you've called me to be in this situation right now. And I may not like it, but I know who I am. And so it was amazing how it just changed everything. And I knew I was there to represent the Lord Most High, as his daughter. And so many times when we're anxious, when we are um, feel inadequate in a situation, when we can remember who we are, it can change everything, just like I referenced in the beginning. And as we understand our value and worth, the lies can begin to be erased. When you, you understand yourself, you can carry yourself in a whole different level and see yourself differently. And so I want to encourage you to put somewhere somewhere where you're going to see it a reminder to wear your crown. It might be a sticky note on your dashboard. For me, I put it on back then, you know, I had a phone 
in my office and I put it right by my phone because that was for me to watch what I said and how I said it and to remember who God said I was. So I want to encourage you, whether it's your bathroom mirror that you see it every morning or someplace, remind yourself what God has to say about you. Number two in your notes, being his son or daughter makes me a prince or princess. Being his son or daughter makes you royalty. It makes you a prince or a princess. I didn't see myself as a princess or someone special, and nor did I act like one. And it's interesting why this is so important, because our actions follow our thinking. I'm going to say that again. Your actions are going to follow your thinking. Thinking comes first, and then our actions. So how you think about yourself is critical, because our actions follow our thinking. And I want to reference a scripture in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, because the Bible talks about you. Did you know that? I was reading about you this week, and here's what it says. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It goes on in verse 10. It says, once you were not a people, but now you were a people of God. Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Right there, it tells us how God looks at us. In 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. And once you were not a people, but now you're a people of God. That gives us identity. We have God's DNA inside of us. And then Psalm 103, verse 4, it tells us, it said, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. He's given you a crown of love and compassion. And I had read this scripture when the Lord was speaking to me. When I first saw that about I'm not wearing my crown, I began to look at all the different scriptures that had to do where the word crown came in. But this scripture right here in Psalm 103 verse 4 it was particularly help, helpful when I was widowed. And as I read it that day, I thought, someone loves me. I was feeling, you know, I had been married for 30 years. And that particular day, I was just feeling so alone and just feeling like there wasn't anybody to love me at that point. And just to see that the Lord had compassion on the adversity and the pain that was in my heart was so helpful. And I came across this scripture again when recently I've been battling. Some of you know I've had surgery and and uh, then I got shots in my knee and I had an allergic reaction. So I'm like, oh my Lord, you know, I was just climbing out of the, the surgery and and it was a big setback uh, for me. But just reading the scriptures, the Lord has compassion on whatever adversity that you're going through. He has compassion on you, and he's given us a crown. This is, I see you, I know you, I'm with you, and I'm for you. And that's his crown of compassion for each and every one of us. Number three, in your notes that you're taking, 
He has given us a crown. We just have read that in several passages. A crown of compassion and love. And he wants us to wear it. And so my question to you is, do you remember that? Have you ever seen yourself as someone valuable? As someone that's dearly loved by God? It's Valentine's Day today. And I just want each one of you to know how loved you are by God. And do you wear your crown? And that doesn't mean, wearing a crown doesn't mean that we're high and mighty and that we're better than others. It means that we know who we are. We know that we are someone of value and worth. Because many times life can knock us down. When adversity comes, when abuse comes, when we make a bad mistake, and we can get our identity from the wrong thing. Now let's jump to Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, and see what that has to say. It says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, to be his special people, his treasured possession. Do you know that he calls you his treasured possession? And he loves you just because he loves you. I remember when I became a mom 43 years ago, and they put that baby in my arms. I was just overwhelmed with love. He hadn't done one thing but cry and scream and was totally dependent but there was just this love that filled my heart and my grandkids it's the same way um we found out this week number 10 is on its way so <laughs> that's exciting um you know you just love them you just love them for who they are you just love them and that's the way the Lord looks at you and he looks at me. It's not, he doesn't love us for our performance. He simply loves you. And I shared last week how, you know, I have read the scriptures, God so loved the world, gave his only begotten son, John three sixteen. fully believed God loved other people, but there was something deep in my heart that wasn't convinced he really loved me. And the Lord had to unravel that lie in my life. So number four says, oh, let me, I'm sorry. Deuteronomy 14, two, verse two says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you as his treasured possession. He's chosen you. He's chosen me to be his treasured possession. And not because of our performance, was that? Not because of our performance, but just because. He created us. We are his idea. So number four, I am his treasured possession. That's the fill in the blank. I am his treasured possession. And there are many people that don't realize that. I was ministering once to a woman, um, and she was a missionary. And she contacted me, and she said, um, she contacted me by email. Somehow she found my podcast, and she said, would you be willing to talk to me? And she told me where she was. And so we arranged. I said, yeah, I would. And so we arranged to connect. We arranged to connect by phone. And um, she began to share just some of her struggles. And it became really clear that 
to me that she didn't see herself the way the Lord saw her. And so as we begin, as I begin to share some of these principles, you could see that aha moment. And then the years I've been working in social work and then just working one-on-one with people, you know, I've seen people with all sorts of just misconceptions about who they are. Um, You know, people that at times have cut themselves because really that is rooted in self-hate. They don't like who they are. They don't like their circumstances. And there's so many things. You can almost look at somebody and get a picture of what they think about their value and their worth. And God wants to come and unravel those lies and speak life into us because he put each one of us here and has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. Romans 9 verse 19 and 20 says, One of you will say to me, read, listen to this, Then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But you are, but who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Oh my goodness, when I read that, I was like, oh, (laughs) okay. Then it goes on to say, what shall what is formed say to who formed it? Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of some lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? All of us have a different function in life. All of us are equally important. And what the scripture is saying is the potter, you know, a potter forms clay. And some were used to be put in the palace. Some of that pottery back in those days was used in the palace. Other was used for common everyday things. You know, I have glasses in my in my house and this is, you know, I grab this and do water. These are everyday glasses. Um, I have glasses, cups for my grandkids so that don't break. <laughs> um, and then I have nice glasses, my crystal in that. God has made each of us for different purposes. You may never stand up and teach, but you have a plan and a purpose in your life. And there's people God wants you to touch and use as you go about your life, whether that's in the grocery store, whether that's in your church, whether that is going out to a fair. There are people God wants to use you to touch. And so I love this passage. When I read it one day, I was like, oh, goodness. You know, because I didn't like the way God made me. I shared that last week. I didn't like my personality. I didn't like just a lot of things about me. And at the core of that, I had to one day just repent. Lord, I just repent of self-hate. I repent of not liking how you made me. And the Lord, you know, I just felt him love on me. There was not condemnation, but there was just an acceptance in his mercy poured over But it says in verse 20 of Romans 9, But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? And so maybe if you've struggled with maybe something that's even happened in your life that has affected your life, or maybe you're struggling with how God has made you, right here it says, God understands. That's why he put this scripture here. He wants us to understand. You know, his scripture, he's, he said, loving father. He's not somebody that wants to beat us over the head when we mess up. He just says, come on, let me put my arm around you. Let me teach you. Let me show you a better way. You are not a mistake. If you don't walk away from this message with anything else, know today that you are not a mistake. And who are we to tell God you made junk? Who are we? to challenge that and challenge him. Isaiah 42 verse 1 says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. Do you know that the Lord delights in you? He looks down and says, That's my girl. That's Jennifer. I'm so proud of her. She's doing this. She's doing that. That's my... That's my, my girl. That's Janice. I just love her. That's what he says. 
to each and every one of us. He delights in you. He loves when you wake up and have time with him in the morning and just tell him hello and tell him that you love him. You know, I remember one time that it was, I was dealing with some things um, with overseeing care and um, overseeing some care for my in-laws and was having to do a lot of hands-on things for them. And there was just a complicated story, but there was some criticism in it. And I was like, okay. And I'd already been a caregiver for my mom and my dad and my lead husband. So I knew a lot of ropes and I knew a lot of things to do. And so it was very hard um, at, at that point in time. But I came across the scripture that day and the Lord said, Kathleen, you're my servant. I've called you to do this. I'm going to uphold you. I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to help you love some difficult people. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I need your love. I need your compassion. You've given me a crown of compassion. I need to extend that. And he said, you're my chosen one in whom I delight. You know, there's something about when we see that we're doing what God calls us to do. When we're doing, and he's right there with us to uphold us, to sustain us. The word sustain means buoy up, keep us afloat. When God does that, it's, it's powerful. But we've got to see ourselves as God sees us. And it says in Isaiah 51 verse 11, Those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. You know, again, the Lord tells us that he will crown, put a crown on our heads. That doesn't mean every day is going to be a skip in the park, and that we don't have things that are difficult. But we've got to, again, see ourselves the way he sees us. Now, we are not the only ones that struggle in our day and age with our identity, with our value and our worth. I want to cite two people that really struggled that God used mightily. Gideon was one. And let's talk about Gideon. Moses was another. Moses was another. You know, Moses had some, he had some adversity in his life. And I don't think he really saw himself. When you go through that whole story, which I don't have time to do. But I want to talk right now about Gideon. So Gideon was fighting against the uh, Midianites, and he was actually, it's, you know, behind a bush, and the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. And Gideon said, and this, this is in Judges 6, <clears throat> um, Judges 6, if you want to read it more. But Gideon is hiding. He's like, oh my goodness, these, the Midianites, they're going to overtake us. It's going to be difficult. And here's what the Lord says to Gideon. He says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. See, God didn't call him out and say, what on earth are you doing hiding behind the rocks and the bush? God calls him a mighty warrior. He called him up, not out. I love that. And Gideon said, <laughs> I love his reply, said, uh, pardon me, Lord, <laughs> but if the Lord God is with us. Why has all this happened to us? Have you ever said, Lord, why has all this happened to me? I've been trying to follow you. I've been trying to do this, do that. Why is all this happening to me? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about? And when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us. Gideon felt abandoned. And he said, you know, have you given us to the hand of the Midianites? Are we just going to die here? You know, he's questioning the Lord, you know, which is okay to say, all right, Lord, help me understand this. You know, Lord, help me understand this. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in strength. 
you go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Has God ever called you to do something and you're like, yeah, but I feel inadequate. Yeah, but what if people make fun of me? Yeah, but what if? Has anybody else ever said, yeah, Lord, but I don't know that I feel qualified. And then Gideon says in verse 15, he says, pardon me, my Lord. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest. I'm the least in the family. You know, he's looking at his family lineage. But God handpicked Gideon to do mighty things. You know, Gideon didn't see himself the way God saw him. But God had a plan and a purpose for him. And Gideon had to get God's vision to do the things that God was calling him to do. And, you know, I can't point a finger at all to, to, um, at, at Gideon because I was the same way. I remember speaking at a, um, I was teaching, the, you know, about wake up to who you are and understanding our value and worth. And I was teaching it to 14 women uh, that were coming out of a lot of adversity and, um, at the Christian Women's Job Corps. And I was asked to speak at a Lent luncheon, and I had never done anything. We just started Lent now. Um, I had never done that before, but I said yes. And I went and I shared in a very short version this message. And a woman walked up to me after that uh, speaking engagement, and she said, I want to talk to you. And I said, okay. She said, I'd like for you to come speak. She said, I'm in charge of a group of women called the Asia Pacific Alliance Women over in the Philippines. And she said, I want to ask you to speak at our International Women's Conference in Thailand. And I said, oh, oh I don't do that. <laughs> I don't do that. I speak to just these 14 women. And she said, no, I want you to, to consider that. And I was like, yeah, but I don't, I don't do anything like that. I wasn't speaking like I am now. I did not see what God saw. So I had to go back and look at and pray about that. And the short version of that story is I went to Thailand and did that. And from that, the Lord opened other doors. You and I have to get our identity from the Lord to do the things that he's calling us to do. And now is a time in history when people need answers. People need prayer. People need somebody to wrap their arms around them and just love them the way they are and give them hope and give them hope. Each one of you has a call of God on your life. And so we can't let others' perception of us govern how we see ourselves. And this is, you know, too many times we sabotage ourselves and let others do that. Maybe you're, you're, mom or your dad said you'll never amount to anything you know you're 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 stupid you're dumb maybe they didn't speak life over you but god's saying come here i want to erase those lies i want to call you up you need to see yourself as god sees you we believe the negative thing so quickly over the positive number five in your note taking never Never let negative, others' negative perception, perception is the word, of you govern you. Never let others' negative perception of you govern you. Because why? Because when we believe a lie, we empower the liar. When we believe a lie, we empower the liar. I said that last week. But it's important to grasp that. I know that different uh, people that I've talked to that have been through divorce, many times there's very, there's very hateful words said. And so if you've been through a divorce and negative things have been spoken over you, or someone has verbally abused you, I encourage you to bring that to the foot of the cross and lay it down and ask the Lord to restore your dignity and value. Begin to ask God how he sees you. 
You know, I took a course years ago, and it was about seeking God and getting His identity of us. And one of the things we were challenged to do was to go to God and ask Him for identity statements. And I'd never heard that word before. Um, I was like, okay, an identity statement, what is that? And in the course that I was taking, we were just challenged to ask the Lord, sit quietly, and just listen to what He might speak to us. Or even reading Scripture, what He might speak to us. And I did that, and it really began to change me at a whole different level. Now, this was about maybe 10 or 15 years after the Lord had begun to restore my own dignity and value, and I began to embrace who He said I was. But as I, I, I want to just encourage you to do that, to take some time in the morning and sit with the Lord and just ask Him, Lord, I'm here. I want to hear Your voice. God still speaks. Lord, show me. Lord, I love You. Show me how You see me. And just even ask the Lord to give you your own personal identity statements. I have about 20 now, but I've been doing this since 2011. So I've been doing this a while, but I'm going to share just a couple of my identity statements because when life gets hard, this is what I go and remind myself of. When I feel inadequate, this is what I go and remind myself of. And the first one the Lord gave me was so powerful. And I wrote it down that morning. And here's what I wrote. I am a woman of significance and influence called to bring the supernatural power of God into broken lives. God said, I have called you. I have made you to be of my voice. See, for so many years, I didn't like that I was bold. I was, you know, I would just speak what came out. Now, God's tempered that <laughs> in some ways. Sometimes I still mess up. I'm not saying that. But he said, I've called you. You're a woman of significance and influence. And I've called you to bring my supernatural power into broken lives. And I've seen that at a whole different level working here in Uvalde because there are a lot of broken lives. There's a lot of shattered dreams right here in our community. Another one what, that the Lord gave me was, I'm a bold daughter of the King of Kings, establishing my Father's kingdom here on earth. I'm an overcomer that lives from the inside out. Now, do I do these every day? I have to remind myself. You know, yep, there are things, sometimes there's adversity we have to overcome. But when we live from our value, when we live from the inside out, it helps us overcome our challenges, whether they're little or whether they're big. And I could go on and give you more of these. I'm happy to share them with anybody. But this is what I remind myself on tough days. And pull them out just periodically to remind myself the call of God that is on my life. Another one, I'm a vibrant cheerleader to others, full of joy and peace, secure and free. And again, I have to remind myself who God's called me to be. Am I always full of joy? Am I always full of peace? Sometimes I have to draw back on that and practice. And that's what life is all about is us practicing God's Word. I think it's important, and you might want to write these things down, for us to seek God. And I want to encourage you, Lord, give me some identity statements for me. I keep them. They're all on a page, now a couple of pages in my computer. But I think it's important that we, number one, seek God. We believe the truth of His Word, number two. We practice. And we just be. We just be His much-loved child. 
He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Because we can't help others see their value till we see our own value. And you are royalty. You know, Proverbs 31, verse 25, and Proverbs 21 talks about a virtuous woman. And it says, Strength and dignity are her clothes, and she laughs at the days to come. I love that passage. Because strength that God gives us, dignity, and this goes for, this can go for men too. It's not just for women. But to draw on his strength, his dignity, who sees, he, he says we are, are our clothes. It's what we need to put on every day when we get dressed to go out in the world. And we can laugh at the days to come. If we just look at the news right now, there's not a whole lot to laugh about. There's not a whole lot to be joyful about. But we have to know when we truly trust God, when we truly see ourselves as His, then we can be totally secure and free. And we can laugh at the days to come, knowing who walks beside us and who's with us. Now, this is a woman who knows who she is, and she is secure. And that's what God wants us to be. Number six in your, in your notes. Understanding how God feels about you and how you feel about Him are the two most important things in life. It's the source of your identity, goes in that blank, and security. And when times of crisis come, that's what we hang on to. This is our anchor. Understanding how God feels about you, how much He loves you, how He's with you, is the source of your identity and your security. And how you feel about Him is important too. When you see Him as bigger than your problems, it gives you confidence. When you see your problem as bigger than your God, you don't have much strength. I don't. And there are times I have to go, Lord, I need your vision of this situation. And now more than ever, people need hope. They need, God needs you and me to be His hands and feet on this earth right now. I am his girl, and I'm dearly loved. Do you know that it says in the Bible that he wants us to live like his much-loved child? And the word beloved is in the Bible 110 times. That means your beloved means you're much-loved. You're much-loved. And it's in the Bible 110 times. When God repeats himself, guess what? He wants us to get it. He wants us to understand it. He wants us to live it. You know, it says in Song of Solomon, verse three, 6 and verse 3, I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. I belong to the Lord, and the Lord belongs to me. He's, he, he loves me, and He's with me. And then in Romans 1, verse 7, it says, that we are beloved and called to be saints. Now, that doesn't mean we do everything perfect or right, but He calls us to walk with Him. He calls us much loved. He calls us to represent Him. And this is how God feels about you 100% and unconditionally. You're loved. You're much loved. One time I was... Um, my goodness, he's in college now, but I was keeping my nephew, my uh, sister's little boy, and my sister's 15 and a half years younger than me. And uh, I had Taylor, and this was going to be his day with Aunt Kathleen. And my um, oldest son had a Jeep at that time. I said, hey, how about us trade cars? And I drove his Jeep, and I got that baby, who was about three years old, and I put the car seat in the back of the Jeep, and we went driving, and my hair's blowing, and he's having so much fun, and we were going to the park at lunch and all the things, and 
he's just in the back seat singing. And I was just watching him in the rearview mirror and try to drive. And, and I just thought of how much I loved him. I didn't have uh, grandkids at that time. And I thought of just how much I loved this little boy. And the Lord just spoke to my heart and he said, Kathleen, Taylor is living much loved. He's so happy. He's not worried about a thing on earth. He knows how loved he is by his mama and his daddy. And he knows how he's loved by you. He said, that's how I want you to live. And just that vision of that little boy sitting in the back of that Jeep, just enjoying life. God wants us to enjoy life. And we can do that when we walk with him. And we know how he feels about us, that we're much loved simply because he created and created us. So if you don't like things in your life, ask God, show me how you see me. Show me how you see this situation. And I want to repeat that that I started with in the beginning. She started to see herself the way God sees her. And that's when everything around her began to change. Isaiah 43 verse 4 states, and this is God's heart for the nation of Israel and for each of us. It says, since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. That's what God says. I love you. I love you. No matter what you've done wrong, no matter how bad you've messed up, God looks at you with affection. Number seven in your note-taking. It's time the church be confident in who we are and who God wants to be for us. You are his son or daughter. You have favor with the Most High God, and with him you are dearly loved. You are precious. This goes in the blank. You are honored and you are loved. And number eight is a quote from a man named Bill Johnson. Enjoy listening to Bill Johnson. And it is royalty. He's written a book. But it, royalty, and that's a, number eight. Royalty is my identity. Servanthood is my assignment. And intimacy is my life source. And when I read that, I read his book, um, gosh, I can't think of the name of it. I'm so sorry right now. But royalty is our identity. And he cites some scriptures about how we are a royal people. I cited some of them. Servanthood is our assignment. We're called to serve. We're called to bless. We're called to be his hands and feet. And intimacy our intimacy with God, understanding how much He loves us, is so critical and important, and that's our life source. And so today, as we wrap up, I want to give you an opportunity to just pray and repeat after me, and only do this if you want. But I want to pray, and I want us to give you an opportunity to lay down any of the negativity we may have picked up and to receive our crown of glory and honor. And I have something for you today, and I'm going to ask, uh, Jennifer, I think you have those, if you will pass out you'll go ahead and pass those out. I have just a little reminder for you. I have a crown for you. And it's a pin. You can put it on. You can put it somewhere that's going to remind you. But I have just a little gift for you to remind you of who you are and that you understand your value and worth. 
But once these are passed out, I want to give you a chance to pray with me. And we're going to ask God to open our eyes to see ourselves as his much-loved child and to see the crown he's given us and to align our thinking with him. So that's essentially what the prayer is. And I'm going to ask that every eye be closed. This is about your time with the Lord. But to just repeat after me. Say, God, I don't feel very valuable at times. But your word says, I'm a little lower than the angels. And that you've given me a crown of glory and honor. I choose to believe your word and receive my crown. Please change my feelings that don't line up with the truth of your word. God, I ask that you open my eyes to see myself as you see me, as your daughter or son, a child of the King. I choose to wear my crown of love, compassion, joy, glory, and honor. And help me to practice wearing it. Align my thinking with yours about me. Thank you for making me just the way you made me. Now I want you to just pick up your crown that you've been given. And say, Lord, I receive this crown. Thank you for opening my eyes. Remind me to wear it day in and day out. Restore my strength and dignity. And I say yes to those you want me to touch. I am your much-loved child. So I receive your love In Jesus' name, amen.